Welcome to the Marketing Money Podcast at marketingmoneypodcast.com. This is John Oxford with Renaissance Bank uh, and your host of marketingmoneypodcast.com. Here today with Josh Mabus from the Mabus Agency. He is the owner and principal of a marketing and advertising firm located in Tupelo, Mississippi, and he helps me on this journey to explain different items that affect the marketing world for financial services, banks, and the like. Today, we're going to talk about geofencing. It's relatively new, probably hit the marketplace over the past two or three years as far as being affordable for banks and community banks to use. The military and agriculture have used it for a long time. In fact, I believe geo-tracking was started with cattle. They used to put tags on a few cattle, and if they got out of the way when they were roaming around or one disappeared, they could track where they were. And then obviously the military has had capabilities like this that we probably aren't even aware of for years Probably with Jason Bourne and James Bond and, and folks like that, right? I, I would think so. Um, I mean, Jack Bauer, at least, he could find anybody from any phone anywhere. So did you notice that every phone he ever picked up always worked? It had full bars. It always could take a picture. It always could look up whatever. He could access any satellite in America. So today we're going to talk about Jack Bauer as our marketing director because he could do anything, in anywhere. A, in with, a day. In a minute with a phone. Yeah. Uh, but... All kidding aside, uh, geo-conquesting and geofencing is, is a hot topic today in marketing. It involves the ability to locate someone with a demographic in a certain location, thus the geo. It is not just mobile. It also applies to tablets as well as computers. As long as location services is enabled. As long as it's enabled and available. Right. If you're out in the woods somewhere, it might not be. But usually you're looking for clusters of folks to drop stuff in. Let's just uh, start off with a little primer. Josh, give us your thoughts on uh, geofencing and where it's going, what it is, and then we'll kind of just go back and forth. Then obviously with our podcast, we're going to get some actionable items. That's kind of a weird way to say it, but actionable items at the end of what you can do if, you're, if you haven't done this because it's coming. It's coming quickly. And that buzzword millennials, they're all about the small screen. This took a while to be adopted just by the very nature of the hardware that has to support it. Originally centered around in the marketing realm around RFID, some devices, Apple didn't uh, participate for a while in this. Now it's right around this location services and, and using Wi-Fi, using cellular signal. From a general overview, the way I look at geofencing is it's another way to target. Going back even to direct mail, the axiom is 70% of the effectiveness of any direct mail campaign is the list. And what that really translates is your ability to target. Junk mail, junk marketing in general, is the right message going to the wrong person. It doesn't mean the whole campaign is junk. It just means it didn't get to the right person. So geofencing, geotargeting gives us the ability to get a message delivered directly to the correct person or a person at least uh, within your overlay. There's some very you know, specific Instances where it works better, which we'll get into, but generally targeting is what we're talking about. We're talking about being able to find an individual based on a location. Then in partnership with geofencing, my favorite, because it sounds like you're some type of conquistador, is the geoconquesting. And that is where you circle a radius or a block or a whatever you want to call it around a, an opponent or your competition. And with this, you then drop ads or let's say ads, native advertising, however you want to do it on apps and Google searches and whichever way you deploy this on your competition. Geoconquesting is becoming popular because, as I've always said, you only go into a bank for three reasons, to open account, to close account, or to make a transaction. 
with your geoconquest, and two of those three is a pretty good average. I mean, you're a baseball guy. How, if, if I hit two out of three times, I'd be what? Yeah, six hundred over 600 the, is um, greatest, a hero. I'd be the greatest hitter ever. Yeah, so, one out of three, you'd be the greatest hitter ever. In saying that, let's let's think about geoconquesting. Tell me a little bit about geoconquesting and, and strategies around that, and then again, we'll get into some actionable items on it. Geoconquesting winds up being, to me, a, little, a dicey area. I'm of two minds on the issue. You have to go to the golden rule. You do unto others as you would have them do unto you. No one wants to be the victim, so to speak, of geoconquesting. But if you're the guy who, who is doing a good job of geoconquesting, you're probably winning the battle. As you said, you're going into a bank for transactional purposes, positive, neutral, or negative. But if you could serve an ad to someone when they are shutting down that account, you know, that's a pretty, pretty powerful targeting. Again, this is at the root of it. Our, our common denominator through all of this is the ability to target. So there's definitely an argument for it. But the issue we're going to have to wrestle with in the future is there's got to be some regulation around this at some point. Not that I'm for regulation. I'm anti-regulation, but we're talking to an audience that is very familiar with entities stepping in and regulating. And um, you could just see that this is ripe for someone to say it's deceptive practice. Or I, I would just say, generally, if anyone is going to approach geoconquesting now to be very clear in their message, to not be deceptive, to not be divisive, to not feel like there's a bait and switch that I'm communicating for the bank that I'm inside of. One thing I would say is the armchair critic of all of this is look to the future for regulation on that area. It's just, it, it's too big of a target. So you think if I geoconquested a competing bank and I just said this bank is terrible, don't go there and, and actually spoke about that bank, that might raise some flags because you, you're, you might not be libeling or slandering someone, whichever way you want to put it on a, in a digital space. It could get a little dicey. Well, I think, you know, th that would be one reason. And the thing is, is you know we work in banks, we work around banks around the country. You have some geographic areas. I mean, you go on uh, lobbying trips with banks. I mean, your competitor across the street sometimes is your ally. It's dicey all the way around in the relational side. But I would say even more dangerous than than just slamming a bank, which isn't a good marketing plan anyway. Talking down about the competitor, you need to be talking about your features and benefits. But the more dangerous thing would be to adopt maybe their branding or their look while you're in that bank. You, from your bank, from Bank A slamming Bank B, but if Bank A looked like Bank B and said, I don't want your business, get out of my bank, right now that's open territory, and I would warn against that. I wouldn't, if we all behave well and we all play in this realm well, we may be able to avoid some regulation. But if you start masquerading as another entity, and again, even worse than your example, say, I'm Texas Bank, and I look like Texas Bank, and I'm telling you, gall darn it, get out of my bank. But you're the competitor. Now, that's dicey. Yeah, it is, and I liked your gall darn it. I thought that was pretty Texan of you. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, I've been around Texans. That, that's how they talk. Every, every other word's gall darn it. Yeah, send us emails to confirm or deny that. That's right. You can send us emails uh, to marketingmoneypodcast.com. Again, go to the website for past podcasts. We've just started, so it'll be pretty fresh right now as far as the volume and supply of podcasts. But you can send us questions to marketingmoneypodcast.com, and we will try to answer them as we uh, take future 
podcast, we'll have question and answers at the end as we receive them on future podcasts. So let's back up for a minute. Geofencing, I am at a community bank in the middle of maybe not a rural area, but a, but a small t- smallish town somewhere. I have 10, 12, 14 branches. How, you know, I'm not, I'm one of those marketers that has to be the HR person. I'm also the business development person. I might be uh, PR. I have a bunch of hats. I'm not just, I don't have a big staff. How would I start geo-targeting and geofencing? I would hire a vendor. So hiring a vendor. I mean, you have to expand your staff, you know, find a trusted vendor, vet them. I'm sure everyone that's listening to this, all half dozen of you are. <laughs> that work for us. <laughs> have gotten all the calls from SEO, from, you know, these vendors, uh, AdWords, Google AdWords. And, and you're, you're struggling with having to vet what do these technology vendors do. Uh, there, there are very good vendors around geofencing, and uh, so I would say expand your staff. So expansion through vending, and I would agree. I don't think anyone has the staff to go to market and purchase ads for placing on, on the 400 top apps in the country to have native app advertising. I, just, I, I don't know that anyone has the time nor the know-how to do that. Well, both of us enjoy the benefits of staffs. And um, we don't do it. Neither one of us. Uh, we use a third-party vendor. One, frankly, if it doesn't work out, it's a very niche area in marketing, and you can discontinue it. You know, who knows what's coming next? And uh, you don't have any real obligation other than your individual contract. So let's let's pretend I find a vendor, and we we can mention some at the end of the call, uh, the podcast. Excuse me. Uh, and I find the vendor. What's my next step? What what should I do? I mean, this geofencing thing is so new. Let's start with a 101. Here's how it works in a nutshell, and I hate that expression, but anyway, here's how it works. For those listening, John is actually inside of a nutshell right I, now. I am. I'm a, I'm Anytime a, he gives a nutshell, he has a, a physical nutshell he crawls into. I am, and so now I'm in a walnut, and the way this would work is we would circle an area on a, on a map, and let's say it's the around our bank and two blocks around it. And so within that area, you've got a Starbucks, you've got a doctor's office, you've got somewhere where people would be most likely, and you want to do this strategically, where someone would be on their phone. Because if you're just dropping them in an area where a bunch of cars go by, unless they're breaking the law and looking at their phone while they're driving, they're not going to see your ads and they're not going to be actionable to them. We've circled the area. We are now dropping ads which are you you have a vendor that goes to the market and purchases ads to be placed inside of apps so i'm opening up ways that's a popular app which is actually for driving so maybe a bad example but i do know it's a very popular app before they look in their car well even then i mean directions even then it's a display on your dash it is fast food restaurants coming up in two exits yeah they they do a very good job in my opinion geolocating as you're traveling right and and of doing passive ads that aren't distracting in that sense, we've, we've chosen our area. It's USA Today. I'm looking at an article while I'm sitting at a doctor's office or I'm waiting for a bus. I'm at a Starbucks. I'm waiting on the, them to, or coffee shop. I don't need right. to get And them. it's very important, you know, to interject here and, and, and inform the people that this is, this is about buying a location. It's not about buying a particular site. If Johnny, Jill, and James are all lined up in Starbucks and, and they're on three different apps, USA Today, ESPN, U.S. News and World Report, Fox News, CNN, those, say there are five people, they could be on five different apps. If those are within the purchase of your vendor, all five of those people 
despite their personal taste. One's a sports guy, one's a straight news guy, one's a conservative, one's liberal. They all five would could possibly get your bank ad because you're buying the location where they're sitting, then what they're looking at on their device can vary. Well, and your and your vendors should also be able to pick demographics as well. So you're buying location first and demographics second, or you can go reverse. You could pick demos and say, when people of this demo go in this location, I want it to hit their phone. Because I believe you do have to have a little more strategy than just, hey, this guy's walking into the fence area. And when I say fence, that's the area you've gone to, a digital map and drawn out the area. And when someone crosses that invisible line, the ads will hit their phone. That may not be every time because you buy a certain amount of ads, a certain amount of clicks. Absolutely. Uh, so let's say Jill that I said earlier. She's looking at USA Today on her phone. But her daughter is there with her while she gets a cup of coffee before a play date. The mom, not the daughter, is getting the cup of coffee. The daughter is on, um, I don't know, whatever uh, Nick Jr. website on a device that's connected through Wi-Fi. The daughter may not get it because that website doesn't fall into the demographic profile. Somebody's over here looking at Chopper monthly blog. They might not get it because we've picked outside of that demographic. So there is further targeting than geography for certain. And it's done through uh, purchasing clicks. So you can rank the sites you want to purchase from. I I say clicks, purchasing the ads. It's not clicks per se because people then have to click on them. And that's how you get a click percentage. And you try to get a a higher click rate and a click-through rate. And so so let's talk. First is you got your fence. Someone goes into it. They're in the demo that you want to hit that app. And now we're in strategy, which is what we're describing. So now we've moved from a tactic to a strategy. Give me some strategic ideas or strategery, as they may say down in Texas. I don't know why I'm picking Texas today. but Gall darn strategery. Yes. What we face in bank marketing is that we all have the same product. We all have the same services, and there's marginal variance between it. Some of us have fees. Some of us don't. We go rate, we go whatever. We have to define our target audience. If you're listening to this and you haven't looked at your target audience yet, then I would say wait, wait, wait for future podcasts and and we'll do another one on, on determining target audience. Who are you going after? And it's not everybody. Yes, absolutely. We bank everyone, but you don't communicate to everyone in the world the exact same way. There may, may be a male that you want to advertise a HELOC to for a bass boat for the summer or a pontoon to take his family out. Mom may want to redo her kitchen. There may be a young uh, couple who wants to purchase their first house. You can't send a generic message to that entire group that says, bank with me. You're going to lose that battle. When we talk about targeting, we're not talking about necessarily being selective of who we market to. But we are going to be selective of how we talk to each individual. Say, say there's a, a, a home improvement store very close to your bank. We can probably make an assumption that if we put a geofence around that and we're talking to that person inside the home improvement store, that they're probably there for home improvement items. Maybe they're buying deck furniture. Maybe they're repairing their plumbing. We could drop a message on top of that area and say, looking to upgrade your home? Come see XYZ Bank for a HELOC for improvements, for a you know mortgage. 
So there are many ways that you can target within these different areas. Maybe you target a, a neighborhood known to be a starter home for couples where it's a very transitional. We know, we look at this, we've done the research. And again, I know we're talking to people out there who do HR and who do compliance and who do marketing and and wear multiple hats. This isn't deep research. You know your communities. If you're that, you're probably in a smaller community, so you know your areas, but you know it's a transitional community. You know people come in and live there for a couple of years. Well, maybe you do drop a mortgage message on them. So that's what we're talking about when when we're describing what your strategy might be. Because the vendor... I hate to say it, they can help you with the tactics and execution, but I've seen very, very few, even though I've heard people try to sell strategy, they don't know your community like you do. So use that knowledge that you have. And I'm going to go over a couple examples, uh, Josh, to what you spoke of as far as strategic areas. Uh, Mortgage is one. You can choose a neighborhood, whether it be starter homes or bigger home, you can drop Mortgage originators, pictures of them in there. Now, be careful of your compliance, but once you hit, you get it cleared with your compliance, it's a great way to introduce folks to a certain neighborhood and have them know that your bank gives mortgages in that neighborhood. Another way is there's really two ways to geofence that I see it is one is events and second is campaigns. And they work hand to hand, but an example is in the SEC, football is king down in the South, and you get a lot of people that go to the games as well, stay outside and tailgate and look look around. So they're seeing their phones. They're looking at their phones during the game, especially the, again, the buzzword millennial that's looking at their phone during halftime or are seeing, you know, what's going on that night. Or even grandpa checking the score of the rival game. And grandma checking the Facebook to see the the post she made from the tailgate about how happy she was to be watching uh, her team play. But in that we have affinity card agreements to where a debit card might have the marker logo of the school. And so that's something I would think would appeal to the person that wants to show school spirit and is a bank customer may not know that we have it or wants to get the card to prove that they're a a loyal fan of their school. And so circle a radius around maybe not just the stadium because your your Wi-Fi, if the school has it, is spotty, the sailor spy, but circle the tailgate area. Circle the area where people are parking and walking and looking at their phones and standing at a tailgate and hanging out after the game as well as the game. Circle, circle that area, make that your geofence, and then drop the ads in there throughout the game. And it's timing as well. Have it timed out. If the game's at 3, start dropping ads at 1230. Have them end at 7 or 8 at night. And so you get – and then the best part about it is you get reporting back, how many people saw it, how many people clicked through. And then you can add items to your geofencing landing page after they click on the ad that gives them directions. It can give them call. It can give them the ability to text someone. So it, it creates an interactive marketing tool – this is a little different from the print ad in a magazine or the direct mail in your mailbox. They actually have the vehicle to contact you, which is a little interesting for banks because on a Saturday afternoon, you wouldn't have an actionable item because most banks are closed on Saturday. That's a great point is to make sure that whatever you do has a terminating point. I mean, look, we're fighting an awareness battle here. And um, so awareness is, is what we're going after. One important thing I want to throw in, just because you and I both have heard, you know, when, when we present this to people, what they say and their kind of concerns and fears. And, and you hit on one of those, the, the Wi-Fi and the, the cellular quality inside the stadium. Well, not just a stadium, anywhere. Anywhere, yeah. it, wherever that might be. Or, or maybe, you know, they're not looking at that app at that time or whatever. Like, we need to make sure we're on ESPN. The thing you need to realize as you listen to this is you're buying a click. So let's say there, that there's a black hole of connectivity over a stadium at any given time, and you bought it, and no one can get an ad. You didn't waste any money because no one 
could get to the ad. Their device didn't work. What you did would, would have been wasting some time creating the strategy and getting the to getting the creative done, but you didn't waste any money placing ads, and that creative can be used somewhere else. So, so don't think of this and just kind of throw your hands up. Well, the I go to football games and my phone never works. Well, they do. The reason your phone's not working is there's congestion. That means there's enough people on there to congest the network, and it doesn't destroy that that connectivity for everyone necessarily. So, some people are are being fed the ads, but it's a it's a highly reactive. Uh, type of medium here. And again, as John said, being able, as they go back to the to the trams or the, the shuttles to take you back to different parking areas, you're seeing what the rider wrote on your on your team or the opposite team. You're you're I mean you're checking back in, you're checking your Facebook, you're doing all this different stuff. So um, w- we know how addicted we are to these devices. So we you know look at those areas where you're going to be using the phone most. Well, and, and another tactical combination on this, and I guess it could be strategic as well, is if you're purchasing ads in the stadium on the jumbotron, on a ribbon board, in a program, you can make all this match up, and so all of a sudden you have a nice brand feel during the game. So there's a replay that you've sponsored and there's a picture of your card on the jumbotron and then at the same time there's a ribbon board going around that has the the bank logo and the brand and then they see it on their phone so you're on the big screen the small screen the skinny screen and they might open up the program and you bought an ad in there because you felt like you did and and i'm not a huge fan of program ads that's a different subject altogether Uh, however if you do all these things all of a sudden now you've got that wholesome brand feel and being really part of that university brand and that's one tactic. That's a university tactic. There's plenty of others. You can do a home and garden show because you know people there are in this demographic that they're working on their house. They like a beautification. They like beautification. They probably could use the, the HELOC ad you mentioned earlier, a savings ad or something, something of that nature. Some other ones, a mortgage is a great one. Small business, picking an area uh, where folks will be, a chamber of commerce meeting this large in a big community. Uh, you could drop ads all over that. Not only that, but just community events overall. You know, banks, there's an expectation for banks to be involved in and support the community. It's something that we all face. Some of us, I mean, I've seen a a varying spectrum of interest in that. Some people um, from bank presidents down to marketers, down to tellers, approach it differently. Some love it, some hate it, some do it out of obligation. Regardless, we know that many of you are sponsoring and involved in community events. So when you're doing that, it may not be a straight bank message. There's this overlay of a community park event, you know, 4th of July fireworks in your community park. Well, you don't always have to be advertising a bank service, but you might because we know while we're waiting on the fireworks, while Junior's being unruly and we give him, you know, an app or while we're checking maybe, again, a, a score on our television show or whatever, we're using apps. Well, the message may just be something innocuous about, you know, we're glad to support or have a happy 4th of July brought to you by XYZ Bank. You don't always have to be selling a product or service. You can reinforce that community involvement in a very real way. Maybe it's a donation. Maybe it's a portal to donate to that event next year. Yeah, and I'm so glad you brought that up because I think this is a another way community banks can use it that probably your larger banks may not be, and that is hooking up with a community event, say it's a blood drive. Well, the app ad that they would see, say XYZ Bank, 
is proud to present blank, blank blood drive. And they hit the blood drive app to see what it is because it's in their community. They know the bank. They know the organization. And then it brings them to a landing page. And that landing page has directions, instructions, maybe an advertising uh, or an advertisement connecting you to it and a link to the web page for more information about the blood drive. So you're doing a community service. You're tying yourself to it. And the other thing I like about this is a lot of times I've used it to push those nonprofits to make a website and make something that helps their service because as a bank marketer, I can't tell you how many nonprofits walk in my door every day and say, we've got this great event. We'd love to put your banner on our Facebook page and we'd love to give you a little print ad and we're going to put you in the announcement. And you really don't get anything out of it unless you're very involved with your personnel or you do some advertising on your own about the event. Let's be honest, they just want your money because they've got to pay for it. You're doing the community support. It's the money. And and your logo being on it is a whatever, not not a benefit, but a a thing that happens. I'm not hitting on the community. I love communities. We're involved in them. We do them, and we have to, and we love them, and our bank's way involved. But don't sell me on it being something that's going to enhance my brand through you. But if you've bought clicks, you have a certain amount placed, and you can geofence that area for that event and likely – event attendees with your bank name and then you push it you're not only helping your bank you're helping the event and that way you're getting a community tie to geofencing that really enhances and looks a little more sophisticated than maybe just the blood bank running an ad in the community newspaper absolutely support the event invest in your community but when you do that use this as a way to enhance that engagement Marketing Money Podcast listeners, I'm going to encourage you to attend the ABA Marketing Conference in Nashville, Tennessee, September 25th through 27th at the Omni. It will be a great place to learn more about the vendors we speak of as well as marketing tactics. And who doesn't want to go to Nashville, one of the hottest cities in the United States right now, and maybe even hot literally in September. So please, if you have the time, attend the ABA Marketing Conference, September 25th through 27th, Nashville, Tennessee at the Omni. You want some deeper answers to the questions that we've brought up about geofencing? Check out Rain. It's one of our trusted partners. They're available at rainlocal.com. Rainlocal.com. Follow ABA Bank Marketing on Twitter at ABA Bank MKTG. That's A B A B A N K M K T G with the at sign in front to follow anything on Twitter to do with ABA Bank Marketing. Welcome back to marketingmoneypodcast.com. This is John Oxford, along with Josh Mabus of the Mabus Agency, and we are talking today about geoconquesting and geofencing and all things geomarketing that have to do with basically digital and digital tracking. For We were talking about choosing events and placing apps, um, advertising within apps, uh, native advertising uh, some other items we can look at, not only events or campaigns, uh, one, one good thing is um, this can augment or sometimes replace your direct mail uh, because it's targeted, it's uh, actionable, it's uh, measurable. And so I think it's a, uh, a good item to use that basically turns your direct mail into from a mailbox into the inbox or let's say the app box, if you want to call it that. But the it, point is, it's just multiple touches. I mean, you need to touch people as many times as you can. Try to own that contact, that potential customer, and, and, and just be everywhere they are. I mean, that's what our goal is. And, you know, anybody listening to this, to touch that person 10 times. 
but it also needs to be actionable. And that's one thing I, I can't stress enough is you don't just put in a geofencing ad in there that says, we are the bank, come see us. Or this bank has checking. I mean, that doesn't do anything for you. Uh, so it needs to have a hook, just like any marketing offer needs to have a hook. I don't know what that is. It could be that your app does some super natural, awesome thing, or it could be that you have a free gift or free checking or the old toaster offer, but something that hooks the customer to come into your bank. And the strategy has to be right. It has to be the right demo, the right location, and the right offer. So you've really got three competing entities in geofencing. You've got to have the right, again, the right location, the right demographic, and the right offer. And when all those hit at the same time, if it's convenient to the person receiving the ad, then you see some action. Well, if they're in need, too, I mean, that's the part we can't leave out of this. Is it's very easy to sell. My goal is to not sell anybody necessarily on geofencing. It's informative. But since we are not the entity selling geofencing, we can be very frank in the fact of someone has to still be ready to move banks at that point or interested in your service. That's a recurring theme of this podcast is the difficulty of bank marketing, which is why you're, you're taking time out of your day to listen along with us. And understanding before you go in that that person has to be engaged. But I do believe, and I do believe in this deeply, if you touch that person at the home improvement store with a home improvement message and you touch them when they get back home and they're looking to upgrade their home and you touch them at daycare and you're talking about expanding family or whatever it might be, backyard for your for your kids, and again, it's a mortgage ad or, a, or a, some sort of loan ad, you look very sophisticated if you work this out and do it well. And I believe... Again, this that I believe in very much is the more sophisticated that you can look and the more integrated with that person's life that you can look, the confidence factor in your bank has to rise. But that is, we're talking about the holy grail of marketing, and this is on top of awareness and brand marketing. And if you can do that, if you can make those connections with that person, I do believe you could probably move someone from another bank. Not only move them, but another example of using geofencing that I think is underrated is with mergers and acquisitions because you've got a bank that you've just purchased that's going to change its name or that's purchased you and they're going to change names. Well, how easy is it, hopefully, if you have a CRM or a system that can pull the addresses and you can look for population clusters that bank with you, which will usually within two to three miles of the bank if it's a consumer or where they travel to work during the day. And you can look at population clusters, heat map them out, go in and geofence and say, hey, bank A is now bank B. Click here to learn more. They click on it. It goes to a landing page that tells them the story of you know why these bank cultures are so great, and obviously your your cliche talk of how this merger happened. But then you go through it, and and other words, you're not asking them to do anything, but you are letting them know that their bank or a bank within their area is changing names. And uh, again, you want to be careful with it. You don't want to give someone a reason to move because now their bank is changing. But everyone does need to be made aware. And if they were going to move, they were probably going to move anyway. Right. And we're talking about confidence. We're talking about increasing confidence in, in both of these examples. And when you own it and you can go out and put a strong message, even in a changeover period where you know people can escape because now they have a reason to, those that are maybe already upset with the service, and you can give them confidence. Well, these guys are owning it. They're, they're seeing me wherever I go. Then I believe you win that battle. 
and you have track backing in there too. So once someone sees one of these, if they click on it, then it's the old cookies where you've searched for a vacation and the same ads come up about the resort. You can do the same thing with geofencing as well as tying into direct IP placement, which is a form of geofencing if you just want to talk in general to where they've clicked on it and now you've got them engaged because for some reason they wanted to see that banking ad or the banking offer. There's lots of ways to increase your brand awareness and really get inside the person's psyche for the financial services you offer. Well, let's say if you start that track back engagement in the branch, that that's where you're, you you drop them on a landing page through geofencing. You've, you've fenced your locations are about to change names, and you put a very specific landing page that when you're in that bank and you go and you, you see this message about changeover, you put a track back. They go back to their place of work. They go back home. They look at another site that you've purchased track back ads on, and those are ads that, as John said, that drops a little what's called a pixel. I don't know where that terminology came from, but it might be a cookie. It's a tracker that uh, anonymous tracker that lets them know that you, you've engaged and then you're picking them up on another site. And again, it looks like you are are there with them. There's a fine line between creepy and overstep and, and big brother and positive engagement, but that's up to you and your execution to figure out. But, but you can take these relationships and take potential bad situations or negative or fearful situations and really own them through technology now. Another item we haven't even brought up yet, but I think is becoming useful. And again, let me stress, you have to have an actionable item is the use of Google Pay or Google Play, Android Pay and Passbook or Apple Wallet. And with this, it's geofencing, but you can actually drop offers in that I believe send a notification of some sort when someone goes into the bank or, or walks by the location that's fenced in. So you can be within apps but you cannot, or within a, a web browser or web page on, in the phone, or you can be inside of the wallet, the Apple Wallet or the Google Pay or Google Play or Android Pay, whatever they are. They're all different. I'm an Apple guy, so I know that mine's the wallet, and, and Passbook is what it used to be called. The usage of that is is intriguing as well, because I believe if you come up with an actionable offer, it's almost like couponing. You know, someone walks by the bank, free cup of coffee. I'm not saying that's, but if you're a coffee bank and that's you have one of those little niche coffee things, you could say free cup of coffee with this, show this on your phone, and they get the coffee, and then they're in your bank. There are ways to use not only the native advertising and apps and the popular apps, but also within the phone's uh, passbook and wallet. Yeah, it just taps in. They don't have to be inside an app. It would be more like a push alert at that point. You can get very creative with that. And so we're not here to strategize with you over the creativity because every bank is different, but I'm just telling you some different tactics within the geofencing realm and geoconquesting realm that work for many different banks. We've gone over some different ideas. Again, geofencing, location, demographic, and message. Those are the three things you, you need to focus on is hitting the right person in the right location with the right message. Secondly, make sure your landing page is actionable. Don't just send them to your web page. Don't have an ad that they click on because you've taken the time to set it up. That's the biggest mistake I see a lot of folks make as I travel around and discuss this is they 
see the ad and it's a good ad and, and it hits the person at the right time and they click on it and then it just takes them to their web page, which may be or may not be mobile optimized. Just their homepage. Just their homepage. And so it doesn't match the message. Even if it has a slider, the feel doesn't match the, match the message of the ad that you just dropped on the person. And and then secondly, it's not action. It doesn't have a call button. It doesn't have a text button. It doesn't have a click to map. I mean, the beauty of this is I could be somewhere in the area and not know exactly where the bank is, see the ad. I might want that product and say, you know what? I've been meaning to open a savings account. I hit the button on the landing page that says directions, pops up my Google Maps or my Apple Maps or whatever phone I have, and then directly takes me to that branch. I walk in that branch, open the savings account, and that's about as actionable and about as targeted marketing as, you know, that's when you high five your staff because you've done it right. It may surprise some of you, but this actually happens. If you're listening and you, I would say maybe there are two things, two emotions, maybe let's say three. There's excitement and you're ready to go do this. You're overwhelmed because we've thrown a hundred ideas, which let me pause and say to that, start small on this. You're buying volume. Buy buy a thousand clicks and test some different strategies. At an event. Buy an event, buy a thousand clicks, compare it, look at it. Cool thing, too, is the data you get back because this reports back. You're going to see what type of apps your customers are looking at. You're going to see where they're going, and you can map, you can heat map the locations and see kind of where everyone is. So the data is almost as good as the advertising. Right, and if you have another strategy and you see that 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 uh, because there's feedback, you see that 90% of your people are, are hitting these ads on ESPN, then your other digital strategy, you can buy more ESPN because now you have some intelligence. So my, my assumption of the three emotions are – Excitement that you're into it. We're we're preaching to the converted. Two that you're overwhelmed, but don't be. We're all over the place. Listen to this a couple of times if you want to. Um, pick out some different smaller executions. And the third emotion or, or or scenario I would imagine project on you is that you just don't believe it. You don't believe in this. Uh, if you've made it this far, then you're a weirdo because you're just trying to prove <laughs> us wrong. I don't know how you'd listen to it this long if you didn't believe in it. But here's the the thing, and John, I'll let you give this example, but we have examples from this actually working where people have directly commented that I'm looking for very specific types of loans. We've done different campaigns as well as events. Again, I I look at it as two different areas. There's events where you're involved in your community, and I have had um, many times, it's not five or six, I mean multiple times, uh, folks that'll get the ad and they'll hit it and then they'll text a message to the bank or they will call. Again, we're dropping not thousands. We've done millions of ads in areas in, in Nashville, Tennessee, where we have a huge population cluster in Birmingham and Atlanta. Those are the metro markets where we have banks. So I'm speaking from personal experience, but we'll we'll choose a huge area and a lot of clicks for a campaign where there's other banks as well as places where people might be on their phones, doctor's offices, uh, realtor's offices, schools, people sitting in schools waiting for their kids in the line looking at their phone while they're waiting to pick their kids 2.30 up. 2.30 p.m. and beyond. Yeah. Any any time where you think someone, and, and get strategic with it, but we've had folks contact us through the ads, uh, directly call the bank and say, you know what, I was looking for that product. Can I talk to you about it? Some of them have actually been business loans where we we put a little motion graphic video. You can play video in the landing page. Uh, so they would hit the ad and go do a how-to video, and it was how to get a loan, and it was a minute and a half long, and someone took the time to actually watch it, and then at the end says, contact us to learn more. And they contact say, I'll watch this, and it looks like something I'm interested in, and we were just right place, right time, right person. And so it's, again, location, demographic, message. And when you hit all three, uh, a lot of times you're going to get some nice business out of geofencing. 
The other thing I would say to the doubters is you're listening to two doubters. Everything that we that that John and I collaborate on from the marketing side, we entered geofencing saying, "Look, this is going to be a good awareness thing. We're not going to get that direct response. There's no way. As good as our content is, we're not good enough to believe we're going to make it that interesting." The thing I would say from that pessimism is that what you do is you try to beat your expectation at that point. So embrace that. Say, this isn't good enough, and I do doubt that it will be effective. So push it harder until it does become effective. That's why I believe this stuff is absolutely effective. The other side of this, maybe the fourth or or three B, is, okay, you're talking about putting content up. Where does my content come from? And that's a difficult question to answer, but that's why I go back to two and say start small. Just to add to this and make it even more complicated for you out there is there are certain security laws with the way you target. In other words, many of the vendors will tell you that you cannot just send them a list of phone numbers and email or IP addresses, and all of a sudden you just drop on specific people. There are ways to do that. Uh, Just make sure you're within your compliance and within uh, all type of from can spam. I know that's email, but there are some areas in there that get a little dicey to make sure that you are compliant and within your uh, your security and compliance area in your bank is, is in agreement with it. But I will tell you, there are ways to um, super target uh, within this where you can get really micro and, and pick a hotel and you can, you know, if there's a conference, you can go in there and you can knock down just the people at the conference or you can knock down just a room full of people that enter there. Now, they will have to see the app, or you will have to give them a, a wallet, passbook, uh, play, pay offer. Uh, however, you can get really granular with this, almost spooky granular. So uh, when you choose your vendor, have that discussion with them. See just if you can pull a, a list of clients and advertise to them. Some uh, banks are probably not as comfortable with it as others, but it is another aspect of it. Uh, so to wrap up this, I'm going to go through real quickly um, sort of the, the how-tos at the end. First of all, find a vendor. Uh, find someone to do it. You don't have time to do it. You don't have the expertise. Uh, I don't care who you are unless you're one of the major banks with a 40, 50-person marketing staff. Uh, I'm talking about the, the B of A's and the Wells. You probably don't have the staff or the know-how to do it. So finding the right vendor. Uh, second is choose your demo wisely. Look for the people you want uh, and choose your demo wisely. Next is the event. Find the event or the area. Uh, that could be um, a community event. That could be an event where someone goes to where they would be likely to be on their phone. Fourth on that, make sure it synergizes. Uh, there's a bit uh, bingo lingo word there if you're playing at home, but uh, synergize with your other marketing. Again, make sure it looks like your bank. Make sure it has the feel. Make sure it goes with your website, with your digital marketing, with your print advertising, with your TV. Make sure it matches in that feel so someone gets on their phone and then they see an ad on TV. It all kind of goes together at the same time. As you do that, make sure, again, that you have a specific landing page built for the campaign or the event. Don't just send them to your web page. It will lose them, uh, and it will break up the connectivity of the advertising. Fifth on this, if I'm counting right, it could be sixth. Uh, track, track, track. Track these campaigns. Look at them. Find out which apps your customers are going to, and look at that demographic, and then use it across the board on all your marketing. Use it to see that if everyone in your market goes to CNN, then you should probably be buying ads on CNN television as well as on the phone. If everyone's going to ESPN or Fox News, that's probably a pretty good place to place your advertising dollars. If they're not going there, then start cutting down your percentages of dollars that are spent there. Uh, So track, 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 and finally adjust. 
This is a, a new technology as far as being affordable and being the marketplace. So adjust. So again, vendor deployed by the three things we said, message, demographic, and location, track, track, and then adjust. And you will have a successful geofencing and geoconquesting campaign. Again, this is John Oxford. I'm with Renaissance Bank. Uh, and Josh Mabus uh, over here with me on this podcast with the Mabus Agency. This is marketingmoneypodcast.com. Send us any questions that you may have on geofencing, and we'll be happy to try to answer them and get back to you uh, in future calls. So again, thanks for listening today to marketingmoneypodcast.com. and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual participants and do not reflect the official policy or position of any financial institution or agency, Renaissance Corporation, Renaissance Bank and its affiliates, or the Mabus Agency. For more information, please visit marketingmoneypodcast.com.